So it's been a tough year for all of us. COVID, the economic shutdown, many people have lost their jobs or lost income, uh, the protests and the riots, and then the election. Uh, today I want to talk about what part have spiritual forces of evil played in this year? What part do they play in our lives? And uh, I've never talked about this subject uh, when there hasn't been uh, some sort of disturbances from the forces of evil, so let's pray. Father, we pray for your protection today. Satan does not want us to know about him and the demons who serve him, and so we pray for protection on the tech team that the live stream can get out. Uh, we pray for all of our minds and our hearts that you would open them wide so that you can work in our lives, and then I pray for protection for myself. In Jesus' name we pray. Luke tells us Jesus had authority over spiritual forces of evil. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. So Luke's already told us that Jesus repelled Satan and his temptations during 40 days in the desert. Uh, there's no reason to believe it was just Satan there, but a horde of demons joining him in tempting Jesus. Here we meet one of them. Uh, you can't deny the many stories about demons in the New Testament. Luke tells us there were 23, 23 times he mentions spiritual forces of evil. Mark does so 13 times, and Matthew does 11 times. Now, some people say Satan and the demons are not real. Well, that leaves you with four choices. That means the New Testament writers were wrong. They thought there were demons. There aren't. Well, then we need to throw out the whole New Testament. Another uh, choice would be to say Jesus was accommodating himself. He knew there weren't demons, but people of the day thought there were. So just to accommodate himself to them, he acted like he was casting out demons. Well, that wouldn't match with the rest of Jesus' life. He wasn't accommodating himself to anybody. He challenged people all the time. Third uh, choice would be to say Jesus was wrong. He thought there were demons. There aren't. Well, then, why should we believe Jesus on anything else that he teaches? And so our fourth choice is that there are spiritual forces of evil. How do you know when you're dealing with spiritual forces of evil? What are their characteristics? There are many, but let me share five <coughs> that Luke identifies. One, there's recognition of the authority of Jesus. So one of the first stories he tells, Luke tells, an impure spirit cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Uh, they recognize Jesus' authority over them. Although demons recognize Jesus' authority over them, we always find among people afflicted by demons a coldness or hardness toward Christ. There's an inability to say the name Jesus. There's an aversion to reading the Bible or praying, a tendency to fall asleep during sermons. There's foul language. There is a hostility toward Christianity. The demons hate Christ, so they want to keep anybody from contact with Christ, even though they themselves recognize the authority of Christ. 
The second characteristic of spiritual forces of evil is violence and extraordinary strength. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down. See that great strength before them all and came out without injuring him. Uh, They have great strength. Uh, Police often suspect the presence of the demonic behind particularly brutal murders and terrorist attacks. A third characteristic of spiritual forces of evil is they are... Let's go the other way, Jim. Uh, They are distinct from mental or physical disorders. You say, well, this whole thing about demons, isn't it just a uh, primitive way to describe uh, epilepsy or schizophrenia or other kinds of mental illness? Uh, Luke is a doctor, and he's keenly uh, interested in this question, and so he distinguishes for us the difference between physical and mental illnesses and spiritual ones. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Simon is his disciple Peter. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. So Luke says, you know, this is a physical ailment, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Uh, So Luke says this is a physical illness we're talking about, not demonic. Then he talks about other people. So at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. These are just kind of normal sicknesses, Luke says. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Then he goes on and talks about people that have demonic problems. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So Luke is distinguishing between these. A fourth characteristic of spiritual forces of evil is moral or physical filth. There's always uh, an element of this filth. Um, Luke shares another story about uh, spiritual forces of evil. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. You say, okay, he lived in the tombs. Uh, You picture uh, gravestones at a a cemetery. But Luke says, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. This man lived, lived among the live stone tombs where dead people were. It was filthy and diseased. Uh, Evil spirits love filth. So you always find the demonic living among dirt or rubbish or moral pollution. It's no accident that the rise of, of, of Satanism in our day has grown along with the rise of pornography. When you step into the world of pornography Uh, prostitution, uh, strip clubs, you're entering into the devil's lair. Evil spirits love filth. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? So, again, the recognition of God. I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains. Again, notice extraordinary strength, and began 
and being driven by the demons into solitary places. Uh, still a fifth characteristic of spiritual forces of evil is self-destructive and suicidal tendencies. Mark tells us in his telling of this same story, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. He was a cutter. Uh, this man was, was seen, you know, crying out, cutting himself, wanting to end his horrible existence. Now, Satan's express, express purpose is to destroy people. Often mass murders and suicides are the result of demonic activity. A 15-year-old girl committed suicide and uh, a journalist with the Oregonian contacted the parents to ask about her and they said there's no doubt uh, she was involved in her final months with a, uh, a, a self-proclaimed high priestess uh, of a local witches group in Oak Ridge, Oregon. That's uh, just south of Eugene. Uh, mentioning of uh, witches, you know, threw uh, the public into panic, but the superintendent of the school said, there's no doubt that jo Joanna's death was connected to witchcraft. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Police Captain Jay Schurz uh, helped tape conversations Joanna had with the high priestess. And so the, the, the sheriff asked the parents to check in her bedroom uh, for, for some signs. And they found uh, uh, half-burned black candles, an animal skull, and notes that she had written about her imminent death. I don't need to tell you stories like this. You know all about this. Every one of you has a family member or friend or classmate or work associate who has committed suicide. You're wondering why they had so much going for them. I can't be certain, but I'm willing to bet that somewhere in your friend's experience, there was a demon whispering, do it. You're worthless. Nobody cares about you. One of the goals of spiritual forces of evil is to ca cause us to end our lives. They especially want it to, that to happen before persons had a chance to meet Christ. You say, okay, Jesus had authority over supernatural forces of evil. So what? What difference does it make to my life? It makes a huge difference. Let me point out four applications from Luke's accounts of Jesus' power over the supernatural forces of evil. First, trust in Jesus and his authority over spiritual forces of evil. Spiritual forces of evil are terrifying, but Christ is not afraid of them. No one dared go near this demon-possessed man by the tombs. Uh, people would walk miles out of their way to avoid him. But Jesus wasn't afraid of him. He docked his boat and walked right up to the man. These three accounts in Luke, casting out demons, that I'm sharing today, are not a primitive attempt to explain evil, but they're an accurate description of the demonic and the battle we face with spiritual forces of evil. We don't blame everything that's bad that goes, uh, goes on in this world on spiritual forces of evil, but to deny their existence is to put us ourselves at a great disadvantage in dealing with spiritual forces of evil. 
Let me share one example of the demonic. This comes from Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. This man tells us that uh, as a boy, he went to church every week with his parents. But when he would ask his parents about Christ or different things, they would kind of just brush him aside. And so for him, church had no meaning. He was 17, year old, 17 years old and he was searching for meaning when he met a spiritist medium. Now, Revelation tells us that Satan rebelled against God and a third of the angels went with him. So these are the demons. And, uh, and so this man uh, met a spiritist medium, which is a person who worships Satan and, 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 and has connection with Satan and the demons. And uh, this woman uh, uh, laid out for this man... Uh, Oh, he's only 17 at the time. He says, uh, now, you begin every day We're reading your tarot cards and horoscope. And she spelled out for him uh, in, in mysterious accuracy events that had happened in his past. And so every morning, he looked at his cards and his horoscope, and he began to develop a, 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 an ability to tell other people their future. Well, one day, this... A woman who is constantly in a trance-like state, she said to him, you're now one of us. Are you ready to take the pledge? Not really knowing what he was doing, he said, okay. And so he cut himself, and with blood he wrote out, oh Satan, I give you my heart, mind, and soul. And from that moment on, he was property of Satan. And he said he led a miserable existence. He did things he couldn't, he can't talk about in public. And uh, he became demoralized and depressed, and he had fits of temper. Uh, it was a terrible existence. And, and one day in his horoscope, uh, it was revealed to him that he was going to take his life on July 26th. So on July 25th, he was walking around terrified that this is what was going to happen to him. And uh, um, he heard some music as he was walking on the street, and he went into this uh, meeting, and an uh, 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 evangelist got up and began to speak. He says, today I want to tell you about the power of Jesus Christ. And in all his years of going to church, he'd never heard about meeting Jesus Christ and knowing him as Savior. And this man uh, said, uh, if you want to be delivered from Satan's power, you have to give your life to Christ. And at the end of his message, he invited people forward to give their lives to Christ. This guy shot forward. And he, he talked to the person counseling him. And he said, is there, is there any chance for me after all the terrible things I've done? He said, of course. And he prayed with him for Jesus to come into his life. But this guy couldn't say anything. It was like somebody was choking his throat. And so the evangelist said to him afterwards, he said, uh, we'll get a team together tomorrow night. You come back and we'll pray for you. And the guy was thinking to himself, that will be too late. So he woke up the next day. Again, he looked at his cards and his horoscope. And it was all planned out how he's going to take his life uh, as he walked over the bridge to work. This was the river where he was going to do it. And so he called the evangelist. He says, you've got to come and help me now. Tonight will be too late. The evangelist came over and prayed with him. And uh, 
again, the guy felt like he couldn't say anything, like somebody was choking his throat and he couldn't get words out. And he says, I, I guess there's no hope for me. I can't do it. The evangelist says, you can't, but Christ can. And he prayed with him for like a half hour. It was like a battle raging within him, tearing him up. And then he fell to his knees and he said, uh, devil, uh, release me. I give my life to Christ. And then the devil came out of him. He gave his life to Christ. And then Christ delivered him from Satan's stranglehold on his life. Supernatural forces of evil are frightening, uh, but Jesus has complete authority over them. Give your life to Christ. Stay close to Christ, and he will deliver you from the spiritual forces of evil. Two, pray like Jesus and recognize only by prayer situations. After Jesus cast out the impure spirit from the man possessed by a demon in Luke 4, we read, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. What did he do there? Well, he prayed. We know this because the gospel writers tell us it was Jesus' practice to go out early in the morning to pray. In the third account in Luke, I want to talk with you today about where Jesus deals with spiritual forces of evil, he talks about the importance of prayer. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. You can hear the desperation in his voice. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him. Notice the, the tremendous power. Throws him into convulsions, so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him, and is destroying him. Notice these suicidal tendencies. I beg your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Bring him here, Jesus said. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. After they went home, the disciples said to Jesus, Why couldn't we cast out the spirit? And Jesus answered, This kind can come out only by prayer. Some things, Jesus says, can only be dealt with by prayer. There may be something in your life that can only be dealt with by prayer. Maybe it's you've received an ominous health diagnosis and you feel desperate. Maybe it's something in your marriage. You're not even sure your marriage is going to make it. Maybe you're worried sick about a son or daughter, like they're making choices that are, you think are going to ruin their lives forever. Maybe it's something at work with your boss or a fellow employee or somebody you oversee. Maybe your crisis is financial. You've lost your job, you can't find a new job, or your income has gone down this last year. You feel like... You're hanging on by a thread financially. Possibly you're struggling with an addiction. You're facing an only by prayer situation. A woman in our church told me about a time that God answered her prayer. She said, I went out to uh, the garage and I climbed up on a concrete ledge and I was trimming uh, some, some plants up there and watering them. Suddenly I slipped 
and I fell backwards. I only had time to say, Lord, save me. And she just put her hands behind her head, and she felt like somebody was cradling her and set her down on the concrete like a soft pillow. When we pray, there are so many amazing answers to prayer. In the kingdom of God, nothing's more important than prayer. Moses prayed, and God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. Gideon prayed, and 30,000 Midianites fled before his 300 soldiers. David prayed and defeated Goliath. Elijah prayed, and the fire of God came down and consumed the wood and all the fire, all the water around it. Daniel prayed, and God closed the mouths of the lions. People today desperately need what we can give them. Marriages are being uh, shattered. Children are so tired of online learning. People are scared of, of COVID, but so frustrated by mask wearing and the economic lockdowns. People are dismayed by what is going on in our country. Individuals are living in quiet desperation, and we can make a difference if we pray. Until we recognize that many of the problems we face in our world, in our country, in our lives involve spiritual forces of evil, and that we can win the battle with them only when we pray, we'll not spend the time in prayer we should. So let's look at the difference between God and Satan. God wants to give life. Satan wants to take away life. God wants to provide salvation. Satan wants to keep us from Christ. God is a God of order. Satan loves chaos. And then you just look back at the last year and you say, how have spiritual forces of evil been involved? Think of the increasing number of suicides we've had. Satan loves to take life. Think of all the chaos we had with, uh, with riots. Satan loves disorder. Think of all the dissension in our country. People are at a feverish pitch of anger. Satan loves to do that. Satan loves to get you involved in some addictive activity where you feel so guilty and like such a hypocrite, you'll never whisper a word about Christ to anybody. Let me tell you about a time I felt like I was dealing with spiritual forces of evil. Jory and I had five boys, and Jory says, I want a girl. I thought we were done. So I said, well, we don't, we don't make boy. We don't make girls. So we're going to have to adopt. So I was invited to preach at four different cities in Romania. And Jory came along to wander through the orphanages in Romania. They had hundreds of thousands of orphans. So I was preaching at these cities. And Jory found a beautiful uh, baby girl, six weeks old, in orphanage number one in Bucharest. Her name was Andrea. So she got the birth certificate, she got the paper she needed, and uh, I just met Jory quickly, and we were off to the airport in Bucharest. Uh, Romanian law says both parents have to see the child in country, and so I had to go back, fly back to get Andrea and, and finish up the adoption. When I flew in to Bucharest, 
I was just, it was night, but I was amazed how dark it was. I'd never seen a large city more dark. Now, obviously, they had you know, lack of electricity, and, uh, but uh, it was symbolic of the darkness I would experience in this communist country. Like, it's similar to what you experience in many atheist communist countries today. And being there to adopt a baby, I was thrown into the realm of the demonic. Jory, in her work with adoption, has always felt like Satan is a very opposed to adoption. He wants to, you know, these, these children that were warehoused in Romania, they had such poor care. They were, like, never touched. They would just prop these babies up in the corner of a crib, and, and they would hold their own bottle. They were never rocked or cradled. And Satan doesn't want these orphans to be adopted in, into homes with loving parents. And certainly not into homes where they might meet Christ. And so I felt like I was in a battle with Satan every day. Let me give you, give you one example. So we had the, the court hearing was set in Bucharest. And we had to fly down the birth mom uh, to be at the hearing and sign the papers. And so she came and she asked, can I go to the orphanage with you to see see Andrea? I said, sure. And so she was with me all day long. We had medical checks. We had various stops we had to make. And she often was holding Andrea. And uh, uh, I could just see her falling in love again with the baby she'd given birth to. And I thought, oh, this has probably been a mistake. I bet she's going to drop out of the, the adoption. Sure enough, next morning she was gone. And I was so discouraged. I thought, goodness, I've been here 17 days, all this work down the drain. And so in depression, I called Jory to tell her what had happened. I said, honey, I'm so sorry. It looks like this adoption just went down the tubes. And I was surprised that Jory was not shaken. She said, don't worry, I'll pray. Tad, David, and Luke will pray. We'll fast. And later, our 12-year-old son, Tad, uh, said to me, Dad, I, I nearly thought I was going to die that day. I mean, for a, a, a 12-year-old to fast is a big deal. And, uh, well, with them fasting and praying, they got other people praying, uh, things began to turn around for me. The, the depression that I'd felt uh, was lifted and we got in contact with the birth mom. We went up to get her in northern Romania. She agreed that, yeah, the best thing for her, for the baby, would be to give her up for adoption. And so she came down to the hearing. She signed, and I came home with little Drea. It was an only-by-prayer situation. Some things can only be dealt with through prayer. Let me make a third observation you might miss. Remember... Jesus' compassion for us. So, the man, one of the men that uh, Jesus delivered from an evil spirit, uh, the demon went out of him into a herd of pigs. And the pigs went over a cliff into the, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee. You say, why would Jesus do that? Why would he put, you know, he knew what was going to happen. And all these pigs, you know, die. Well, I don't know, but... 
maybe Jesus could see in his compassion that this was the best way to show the man he had been delivered and all the forces that were in him. And we see their tremendous power in the herd going over the cliff. And then at the end of, of that account, there's some very tender words. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You say, why would Jesus reject him? Well, Jesus knew that this man for months, maybe years, had had no family or friends. He said it would be better for him to go back and develop again relationships with his family and his friends. If Jesus was only interested in our spiritual needs, he probably would have taken the guy. Who could mentor him better than Jesus? But Jesus is not just interested in our spiritual needs. He cares about our physical and emotional needs. He has compassion on us. We should follow his example. Our country is deeply divided. Half our country is happy about the election. Half is unhappy. The thing that concerns me as much as anything is that this political division is seeping into the church it's seeping into our families. I've heard Christians say, I hate Republicans. I've heard others say, I think Democrats are idiots. They don't even know what they're voting for. We have differences, different viewpoints. But in the church of Jesus Christ, we have to lay those aside and love our brothers and sisters who may have different viewpoints than us. We have to keep unity in the Spirit because that's the only way we can fulfill our purpose, to inspire people to follow Christ. We can't invite people into a church that's divided. We can't let politics distract us where we, we put all our energy into that and forget that our main mission is to share Christ with people. The fourth thing I want to say is live out Jesus' strategy for the world. The man healed of the demon possession asked to go with Jesus. Instead, Jesus said, no, you go home and tell people what the Lord has done for you. He became Christ's first witness to the ten cities of Decapolis, one of which is Damascus, which is still the capital of Syria today. Jesus did not ask him to come on tour with him and share his testimony with strangers. He told him to go home and share with his family and his friends and the people he already knew. And what a story he had to tell. He had lived a life of anguish. He was the most dreaded man in the region. Can you imagine how much city council time was taken up saying, what are we going to do about the, the terror in the, that lives among the tombs? Jesus changed all that. Now the man was sane and in his right mind. Do you think the man was successful in sharing Christ? You bet. Mark tells us the people were amazed. They were amazed at the change in this man. It was undeniable. Jesus' strategy is still the same today. The purpose of our church is to inspire people to follow Jesus. How do you do that? You don't have to go door to door in terror talking to strangers. 
You tell your friends and family members, work associates and classmates the change Christ has made in your life. You inspire other people to follow Jesus by them seeing the change that is taking place in your life. Then you invite them to our live stream, our church, our commu- your community group, or some activity here in the church. But before you can inspire people to follow Jesus, you have to follow Him. Give your life to Him today. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have all authority over all beings in this world, all political leaders, all spiritual forces of evil, and we don't need to be afraid of anyone or any spiritual forces. And so we turn to you, Father, to help us in the battles we face personally and in our country. I want to invite you to pray right now. You tell Jesus about what's the biggest battle going on in your life. And tell him you want to put your trust in him. And ask him to deal with the spiritual forces of evil in your life, in our country. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can invite him right now to become your savior, to forgive your sins, come into your life. You pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to this world. Thank you that you are the Lord of lords. You have authority over all beings in this world, including Satan and his forces. We put our trust in you. And we commit ourselves to praying more for the situations in our life and our world that can only be dealt with by prayer. In Jesus' name.